Well, tonight for our communion devotion, I want us to continue in our series on 2 Peter, looking at 1 Peter in the morning and 2 Peter in the evening. And tonight we will look at verses, or chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, and verses 5 through 7. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 5 through 7. Peter writes this. He says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Our first point tonight, as we prepare our hearts for communion, for the Lord's Supper, is make every effort. In the Christian life, there will always be a glorious and mysterious tension between the sovereign work of God in us and the exertion of human effort. As I have shared with you on many occasions, there are tensions in the Christian life. Things that are equally true that from our human perspective almost seem contradictory. God has the future planned out. He knows everything. And yet at the very same time, my prayers make a difference. Both are true. My God is sovereignly working out his plan for the future, and yet in the midst of that, my prayers, they make a difference. They do. I can't completely solve that, nor does God want me from a human perspective to try to solve that. I just believe they're both equally true. God is sovereign in salvation. He is drawing people to himself. At the same time, there is human choice, human decision. We will never fully reconcile the sovereign work of God in salvation and human decision and human choice. They are both true. And as I've shared with you before, when we try to resolve these things or go one way or the other, we end up with false teaching. We must believe that both are equally true and just accept that, accept that some things are beyond our full understanding. And so it is with God's work in sanctification, in his working in and through us on a daily basis. <clears throat> Excuse me. There is God working in me, and there is my human effort. I give God the glory because I couldn't do anything without him. I wait upon him. I trust in him. But at the same time, I give it everything I've got. I give it everything or I strive with all my being to live out the Christian life. And again, we must be careful that we don't go too far one way or the other. Yes, we do wait on the Lord. 
we do trust him, but that doesn't mean we don't do anything. We don't just sit in our homes and wait for God to do something. But at the same time, we don't want to go too far with human effort or we may run ahead of the Lord. We may run ahead of him when he wants us to wait or pull back. We see this in the Old Testament. Sometimes with the armies of Israel, the Lord would say, stand back and watch. And God would fight for them. He would cause hail to fall from heaven or cause, cause something to happen that would defeat the armies. Other times, those armies went out and fought. They gave their full effort. Both are true. And that is important to this passage. Last Sunday night, we saw this. Verse 3 and the first part of verse 4. Tremendous truths. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. God's divine power has granted to us everything we need to live the Christian life. Everything we need for life and godliness because we know Christ as Savior. We don't just know about him, we know him. And he has called us to live for his own glory and for his own excellence. And he has given to us these precious and very great promises, especially as they pertain to salvation. So God has done a mighty work in us and has given us everything we need to live for him. And the thought is in tonight's passage, now go live it out with all your might. Now go out and live the Christian life with all your might, knowing that that is true. This, these verses, verses 5 through 7, are filled with energy. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do a, a good job in conveying that, but there is an energy here. Go out with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength. Go out and live out the salvation that is yours in Christ. A passage that really captures this tension is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. You may be familiar with it. Where the Apostle Paul says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So on the one hand, it is God who gives you the will or who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure, for his good purpose. Okay, without God, we wouldn't even will it. He gives us the desire. He gives us the power to act. So, therefore, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. And so Peter begins this section with the phrase, for this very reason, make every effort. I like that. For this very reason, knowing who you are in Christ, because God has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness and has granted us his precious and very great promises, for this very reason, make every 
effort, knowing who we are in Christ, live the Christian life with all the energy that you possibly can. We are to supplement our Christian faith with godly character, character that reflects the very life and person of Christ within us. Here is who you are, Christian. Here is what God has accomplished in you. Now go out and live that out with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The word supplement here is interesting. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with these things. Supplement literally means to do whatever it takes. It comes from the ancient theater. In the ancient theater, there would be a choir master. He would be akin to our modern-day producer or director. A choir master in the ancient world would be responsible for putting on these elaborate plays, dramas, comedies, tragedies, and people would come from miles around to see these elaborate productions. And these choir masters or producers would be given elaborate budgets, even many years ago, in order to put on these productions. He would even contribute his own finances to putting them on. And this is what those who financed the production would tell the choir master. They would tell him, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to put on the finest play that you can possibly put on. And that's the thought here. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith in Christ with these things. And so our second point tonight is striving for Christ-likeness. Peter lists seven character traits that we are to diligently pursue as we follow Christ and live out the Christian life because of what Christ has done for you, because his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, because he has given you his precious and very great promises, now put on these character traits. Live out the Christian life as we pursue Christ and live for him. The first, he says, is virtue. Pursue, make every effort to pursue virtue. Virtue can also be translated moral excellence. It means to be morally heroic and courageous, very similar to what we looked at this morning in 1 Peter. It means that because of Christ, because of my salvation in him, I want to be morally excellent. I like that term. I want to be as Christ-like as I possibly can because he's given me everything I need to live for him. He's given me his precious promises. Now I want to live a morally excellent life. Even in the face of a world that may mock those things, that may disagree with those things, 
I want to be morally heroic and courageous. Also, second, we are to pursue knowledge. Knowledge refers to the divine truth that is the foundation of spiritual discernment and wisdom. It is the truth properly understood and applied. Knowledge here, when it says put on knowledge, or add to virtue, knowledge. Knowledge is, does not mean academic knowledge, and it does not simply mean biblical information. It means to take the truth of God's word and to ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate it in your life, in your study, so that you may properly understand it and apply it, so that you might have discernment and wisdom. It has been said that wisdom is seeing all of life from God's perspective. And that is a good definition of wisdom. It is trying through the pages of Scripture to see myself and the world as God sees it, so that I might take his truths and understand it, to truly understand it and apply it. Well, to knowledge, I am to add self-control. I'm to pursue it. I'm to make every effort to pursue self-control. It means to restrain oneself and was used in the ancient world of athletes who sought self-discipline and self-restraint for the pursuit of excellence in athletic competition, even beating their bodies into submission. This summer, we will see the Summer Olympics, and once again, we will see all kinds of athletes from all over the world who have gone to great lengths. Even right now, as we meet tonight, they are disciplining themselves, restraining themselves in what they eat and what they do and don't do for athletic competition to be the very best they can be, and that's the thought with self-control. It isn't a legalistic thing. I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this. No, it is... I want to be like Christ. I want to do whatever it takes. And there are some things I know because of my own personal weaknesses that I can do and I can't do. I have some weaknesses. You have some weaknesses in certain areas of your life. My weaknesses may not be yours and yours may not be mine, but we know them. So there may be certain places you can't go. There may be certain things that you can't do because you know that they will be places of temptation for you. That's the whole idea here, self-control. I am pursuing Christ passionately. and Therefore, I will use self-control and self-restraint Paul says this so wonderfully in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 26 and 27, where he famously says, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. And that is the thought here. I do not run aimlessly. I have a purpose. I have a pursuit Therefore, I discipline my body and keep it under control. 
To self-control, we are to add steadfastness. Steadfastness is translated in some English translations as perseverance. And it refers to patience and endurance over a long period of time in doing the right thing, in obeying God. It is resisting temptations and enduring in the midst of the most severe trials and difficulties. It is saying, I will obey him, follow him, pursue him, no matter how difficult things become. Every once in a while, I will talk to someone who is just worn out. They have been through hardships. They've been trying to do the right thing. They've been trying to live for Christ. And then all of a sudden, some tragedy, some difficult tragedy comes into their life. Some difficult circumstance. And every once in a while, I will have someone say to me, I'm tired of doing the right thing. Look how it's turned out. I have lived for Christ sought to obey Christ and look it. This tragedy has come into my life. This bad thing has happened to me. I've had people come close to telling me that in their, when they've been unemployed for a long, long period of time. I tried to do the right thing. How come God isn't providing me with a job? Steadfastness, perseverance means don't come to that point. Keep going. No matter what, no matter how difficult the trial or the hardship you are going through, keep doing what is right. Keep obeying God. To steadfastness, we are to add godliness. Godliness is at the heart of our spiritual pursuit and is defined by a deep, an abiding reverence for God. It means someone who properly honors and adores God. It means you are enthralled with him. Actually, from this word godliness is where we get our English word worship. It means true and genuine worship. That is, godliness means to be worshiping God all day long. You are amazed with him. You are accountable to him. You are enthralled with him all the time. John, or we think of John Calvin's famous saying, which has become the motto for R.C. Sproul's Ligonier Ministries, the Latin phrase, Coram Deo, before the face of God. That's what godliness is. It is to live every moment of every day before the face of God, knowing that you are in his very presence. Many years ago, Brother Lawrence wrote his famous work on practicing the presence of God. Seeing your whole life as being lived out with God's gaze upon you at all times. Godliness, let us make every effort, Peter says, to be godly men and women. To godliness, we are to add brotherly affection. It is a genuine care and concern for others. 
especially for those who are your brothers and sisters in Christ. We actually saw this last Sunday morning in 1 Peter 3, where Peter, or, yes, where Peter says, have unity of mind, sympathy, and brotherly love. It means to be so concerned about your brothers and sisters in Christ that you feel their hurts. If you remember, I shared that phrase that one writer used, your hurt in my heart, your hurt in my heart. That's what brotherly affection is. It is loving your neighbor as yourself. It is the logical outcome of godliness. If I am truly living before the face of God in the presence of God every minute of every day, I cannot help but be concerned about you and you about me. In 1 John, John says, How can you say I love God, but do not love my brother? Well, to brotherly affection, we are to add love. Love has been called the highest virtue of them all, the character quality from which all others flow. And this love is a broad term as used here. It can refer to our love for God, our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and for our love for the world. It's almost as if Peter is saying, have brotherly affection, but add to that love, a love for all people. May your heart be broken for those who are lost, for those who are without Christ, not only in our community, but in the far reaches of the world. And so, for this very reason, we are to make every effort with all of our energy to supplement our faith, to do whatever it takes to add to our faith virtue and knowledge and self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. So because of what Christ has done in us and continues to do through us, we are to go all out to live for him and to be like him. Because of what Christ has done in us, continues to do through us, the result, the logical consequence is go all out. Go all out to live for him and to be like him. Again, it is the thought of living a high-energy, joy-filled Christian life. I am so overwhelmed at my salvation, so overwhelmed at what Christ has done for me, that with this zeal, this energy, I just want to go out into this world and live for him and be like him. We may give our best to other pursuits, and that can be a good thing. You may give your very best at your job. You may want to be the best police officer, the best accountant, the best physician, the best nurse, the best farmer, whatever it may be. You want to, may want to be the very best. You may give your best to a particular hobby. You not only have this hobby, but you want to be the best at it. And you spend time and you spend research on it. You may be 
You may want to be the best athlete you can be, the best at academics that you can be, the best at a particular musical instrument or musical pursuit that you can possibly be. And there's nothing wrong with that, but let us give our very best to the one who saved us. Let us give our very highest, our very best to the one who saved us from sin and has made us his own. It reminds me of Oswald Chambers' famous work, My Utmost for His Highest. That would be a good title for this passage. My Utmost for His Highest. Let me make every effort to be like Jesus because of what he's done for me. So as we take the bread and the cup tonight as we share the Lord's Supper together. As you think about what Jesus has done for you, determine in your meditation and, and as you leave tonight, that I'm going to go all out to live for him and to be like him. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.